0: drones, two hundred Shahid drones. Now it's interesting that, despite the Ukrainians uh, constantly referring to Russia's attacks as indiscriminate and attacking civilians, uh, they've admitted that out of these three hundred missiles uh, and two hundred Shahid drones, which are Iranian drones, that you've had five people killed and one hundred and thirty wounded. Now that's a lot of missiles. If you're if you're deliberately targeting civilians, one would expect that that uh, figure would be uh, significantly higher. So that, that would suggest that they're pretty uh, precise, uh, precision-guided munitions hitting you know, infrastructure and military targets like the Russians refer to. And, of course, the media you know, constantly refers to Russian uh, attacks as indiscriminate, attacking civilian areas, uh, and you know, he's a war criminal and everything else. And and yet, uh, not all, but much of the media plays down uh, what's happening by Israel against the Palestinians. Anyway, your thoughts on that? I'm sure you've been keeping up to date on on all of this. And uh, where do you see both these wars going? I know that's a big question, but uh, where do you see this headed, say, in in the near and the medium future? I I just have a quick question.
1: So Amongst these 151 people that are reportedly dead, are there any reports or allegations that there's children and old ladies and whatnot um, who who are amongst the victims, amongst the dead, I should say?
0: Well, in, in Ukraine? Yeah. No, as I say, you know, despite the, the Ukrainians admitting that, you know, over the last five days you've had 300 missiles, uh, I think a dozen of them were those Kinzhal missiles, those hypersonic missiles, and 200 Shahid drones. They, the total of civilians killed is five. So you've had five people killed and 130 wounded. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty small number when you consider oh, five, that minus
1: five, okay. yeah. Okay, so so it was aimed at Im- infrastructure, and and this is after the uh, the Belgorod attack by Ukraine on. Uh, the the town square the city square in Belgorod which I believe is kind of a uh, sister city to Kharkov Kharkov uh, and Belgorod were kind of are more, they're close to each other and their their industry during Soviet and pre Soviet times was uh, were you know very tightly connected to each other so they're kind of like so like a single economic zone. And uh and the the city, the, the town square, the city square was was hit. And you did have, did you have something like a hundred and fifty people die? You had several dozens, uh you know, men, like, women, I, and children. I,
0: I don't think it was that many. I think I think it was twenty four that there were people were killed, and there was like uh, obviously like maybe a hundred injured. I think in those attacks. I, okay. I, I think that that was the
1: number. Yeah, but it was it was a, a, a city square that, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. not. Yeah, that it just had uh, you know regular men, women, and children in it. Yes, yeah, and yeah. you know, for our American listeners, this is for these old c- cities that you find in in uh, in in Europe. They're often kind of centered around a city square or a town s- square, which is a, a public uh, you you could call it uh, it's it's kind of park like in its atmosphere except that it's paved typically and not not grassy um, and this is where you would find people out uh, getting ice cream and um, uh, you know walking the dog with the kids so that's what was attacked so really I mean there and in response to this um Putin in remarks he was making while visiting a hospital said obviously they're trying to goad us into uh, retaliating in kind they're trying to goad us into attacking uh, civilians in Ukraine so that they can then go to their uh, their Western backers and say look we need more weapons and Putin said it's not going to happen we are we're going to uh, retaliate by targeting their uh, military infrastructure, and we're not—we are, you know, we're not going to hit the civilians. And it, it seems that he's true to true to his word. Now, you had asked uh, what I see going on over the next you know, the coming weeks and months with these two big wars, and I think, like I've been saying, the longer they go on, the worse it's going to be for both Ukraine and for Israel. And uh, you know both of these wars. Well, the, the, the war in in, uh, in Ukraine was hatched from the State Department. Clearly, it was it was an effort to use Ukraine as a sacrificial pawn or a sacrificial lamb in order to get uh, Putin to uh, to invade and then use the invasion as a pretext for crippling economic sanctions that would uh, result in the uh, overthrow of Vladimir Putin. It was a regime change plot scheme, and it hasn't worked. And it's clear that once once the Chinese supported, uh, once the Chinese refused to go along with the economic sanctions, it was game over. And we've just been watching for the past almost two years now because by by march but within the first few weeks it was clear that uh i mean there was never there was never a chance that uh ukraine was going to be russian a war that was never the idea there was never any intention that, that to happen the whole intention was to have the economic sanctions lead to the uh destruction of the russian economy and it was clear that that the sanctions wouldn't work because China didn't go along with them, and China's the biggest economy on Earth. It's, it's by far, by far the biggest industrial economy. Uh, the, you know, the to the extent that the United States and China are close in economic size, it's because the United States consumes so much, but it doesn't produce. Uh, so, you know, we've been watching since, for the past 22 months, we've, we've been watching uh the west the west the zionist west just go ahead and and let this this war play out because they didn't they didn't have a plan b they didn't have an exit strategy and we've just been watching as as the jewish president of ukraine just throws hundreds of thousands of goyim into the meat grinder and you know lets them die with with zero possibility of of uh getting anything for his his state for his country out of it the longer it goes on the more territory they're they're going to lose uh you know it was it was clear that they that you know at first uh zaporozhia and harrison they were going to be um incorporated into russia and then as it's gone on well okay it's going to be Kharkov and odessa they're going to be incorporated and now you've got Medvedev um, talking openly about Kiev. Uh, it's gonna, mm. Kiev is going to be incorporated into Russia. There's not going to be much left. And you've got um, Putin kind of hinting that, well, you know, if um, if uh, what's left of Ukraine, if, if Hungary and Romania and, and in particular Poland annex it, you know, well, you know, that could happen. So that's what's where it's going with the Israel thing. I like it's it looks like it's going to escalate. How far is it going to escalate? I don't know. The um the what you've got here is and I don't think this was hatched in the State Department. I think this was hatched in uh you know Netanyahu's cabinet. I think this is his initiative, but he is taking advantage of the fact that we've got um you know kind of permanent uh Jewish control of American foreign policy, and I, I think he's he's wagering that uh, Tony Blinken and Victoria Newland uh, are are going to be uh, they're going to have his back in the American administration and and help him with a blank check, but it's it's a bad strategy. It's it's not going to work. You've got. Uh, because the United States isn't the world's only superpower anymore. And what you've got is the uh, China and Russia who don't want a world war and they don't want uh, to give Israel a blank check. And they are allied now with the Arab world, with effectively with the Arab League. They've got the two most important Arab countries who just joined BRICS a few days ago, Egypt. Egypt and uh uh Saudi Arabia both joined BRICS and you know these are basically the two leaders of the Arab world the United Arab Emirates also just joined BRICS and so did Iran uh so th- these are aligned with uh, it, while it's not a formal military alliance it's it's an economic block, and they've and it's a diplomatic block, and they're they're aligned with China and Russia, and you've you've seen these diplomatic moves, including other um, BRICS countries. Uh, Brazil has introduced uh, resolutions into the Security Council. South Africa, another BRICS country, has has just brought a case to the International Court of Justice against Israel for genocide. So what you're yeah. you're seeing is you're seeing this. Um, I'm not even going to call it slow, but you're seeing this very deliberate uh, course of diplomacy and legal action being taken by BRICS in conjunction with the Arab League, in conjunction with with the Arabs. Uh, and it's uh, diplomatically isolating uh, Israel and its backers. And I, I think what you're going to see is uh, Israel is going to... Uh, fail to achieve military goals, and then it's going to be... um, face very severe consequences diplomatically because uh, BRICS is not run by Jews, and BRICS is is going to come out dominant in the international system. And I think that will be clear this year. Yeah,
0: you mentioned South Africa bringing the case against uh, Israel for genocide to the International Court of Justice. Uh, Malaysia have actually now joined that too. Uh, you know, similarly to South Africa, they've brought a case against um, Israel for the same thing. So I wonder who else will join that, but the more the merrier. The uh, Predictably, <laughs> the, the, the State Department, with a straight face, um, when uh, asked about this in a recent briefing about South Africa, and this uh, genocide case against Israel, they said it was uh, unproductive at this time, baseless, and uh, conveniently, they they see no evidence of genocide in Gaza, Patrick. Uh, And and the Israelis uh, came out with even more uh, aggressive uh, victim-type stance, as ever, um, saying that uh, South Africa... It will be proved to be on the wrong side of history, and in time, uh, that will be proven, and they will be shown no mercy. Um, So neither the Israelis or the U.S. see any evidence uh, of genocide, and these claims are absolutely baseless.
1: And so we've got um, a news White, uh, I'm sorry, new State Department spokesman. It had been this gay Jew Ned Price. Now you've got a uh, a goy uh, Matt Miller. Uh, Miller is often a Jewish name, but uh, apparently his father was a Protestant minister or something like that. So, uh, and he doesn't look particularly goyish. And uh, he you look at his biography. I don't think he's. I mean, he doesn't look particularly Jewish. So I'm pretty sure he's a goy. But he. And uh, the National Security Council spokesman, uh, Admiral uh, John Kirby, the two of them have, have come out and said, yeah, oh, we don't see any indication that there's uh, genocide. And, and, and at the same time, they're saying they don't see any indication that uh, Israel was behind the drone strike that killed the, uh, the number two Hamas guy in Lebanon. Yeah, yeah, they, this they, was, yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah, exactly. I mean, How can you deny that? Who, who else would have had a drone strike against this Palestinian leader at this time? I mean that <laughs> that is so bald face a lie. And honestly, if you're if you're going to be like tr- trying to make a case that there's no that that uh, what Israel's doing is not genocide, uh, you shouldn't in the same breath uh, make. That so obviously false.
0: Yeah, they have, uh, again, uh, with a straight face, they have uh, denied involvement in this attack and they have denied any knowledge of who carried out this attack. And of course, with uh, incredulous, you know, incredulity, is that, I'm not pronouncing that word, incredulous uh, response to it, that um, they see no reason. To believe that Israel did it. In fact, uh, pertaining to you know suggestions that the U.S. would have any involvement or knowledge of this, they were called. They called it a ridiculous notion. Um, for our listeners who are not familiar with what we're talking about here and how this is an absurd uh, claim by the State Department, um, there was a uh, a chief. Uh, there was uh, over a hundred people were killed in two blasts uh, against mourners uh, at a cemetery at the um, at the tomb of uh, Soleimani, uh, General uh, Qasem Soleimani, on January 3rd, uh, as these people sort of commemorated his death in the city of uh, Kerman in Iran. I'm pronouncing that right, Kerman, K-E-R.
2: Charles de Gaulle once said, actually, it's difficult to envision in this regard any other criterion, any other standard than gold. Yes, gold, which does not change in nature, which can be made into either bars, ingots, or coins, which has no nationality, and which is considered in all places and all times the immutable and fiduciary value par excellence. So when the question is, why gold? It's simple, my friends. The answer to that question is simply, why not? Like it or not, precious metals will always be the world's reserve currency, even though nations do not define their currency by their worth and, say, gold. Individuals still buy gold and silver to protect themselves from inflation. The more money a nation's central bank pours into the economy, the less value its currency, the dollar is. which means the price of everything else rises. $21 up for a bag of dog food. Seeing it, the dollar's cheap. That's why the cost of everything goes up. It's because the buying power, the value of the dollar is tanked. It's worth nothing. And yet gold that your family would have owned in 1907 will buy at least the same amount of goods, if not far more. William McPhee once stated, It's extraordinary how many emotional storms one may weather in safety if one is ballasted with ever so little gold. The truth about money, gold versus cash in a crisis. Gold, a valuable thing to store. The power of gold in times of crisis. Historical sketch of paper currency. Oh, and beware the ides of rare coin dealers. And Alan Greenspan's speech on gold and economic freedom. How interesting. I'm going to give you gold and silver in five easy lessons. Seeking out the most efficient and most secure route to owning gold and converting it into widely accepted currency is the next best thing to enjoying gold-backed currency, my friends. In a world of central bankers hell-bent on devaluing our savings, you need to own private gold standard contact me jeffrey bennett at kettle Marine limited by calling our phone number at 602-799-8214 that's 602-799-8214 my name is john i'm the founder of blackout coffee and i started uh, blackout because i really love coffee i've
3: always loved coffee and after traveling so much to europe south america and trying so many different coffees that were so good and uh every time i came back Uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, BlackoutCoffee.com and use the coupon code R-E-P-U-B-10. That's R-E-P-U-B-10.
0: The U.S. would, uh, you know, have at least have no involvement, and to to say that, uh, you know, they have no reason to believe Israel did it. Well, this was a this was a guy who was killed by the Israelis, as, as far as I as far as I know. Maybe you can confirm that uh, that he was it the U.S. that killed him, or was it the Israel? I think it was the Israelis killed him in 2020.
1: Yeah, uh, no, it was the U.S. It was oh, okay. it was Donald Trump, uh, much to his lasting disgrace. Uh, yeah, it was Donald Trump, and he has he has complained he has complained since then that Netanyahu uh, didn't support him on the, when he killed you know so he's not he's not he's not it's not as if he's saying oh no I, the Israelis weren't involved he he's he said he wouldn't even support me I was I was doing the, I killed Suleimani and he wouldn't even support me so I mean. But why did he do it? And this was this was uh, I was it four four years ago to the day. It was more or less to the day because it was yes. the first week of January. And what was going on the first week of January 2020 was uh, the House of Representatives had just impeached Donald Trump for the first time in, in December. Yes. And the, the, his trial in the Senate was going to start. Uh, In a few days, in you know, in January. So, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, sources at the Wall Street Journal, Trump did this attack in order to curry favor with Republican senators. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, uh, you need you need two thirds vote to oust a uh, uh, a president after an impeachment, and there were, uh, you know. 50. I guess at the time there were 50 Republican senators, uh, so you would have had to have 17 of them. No, no, you would have had to. Yeah, yeah, you would have had to have uh, 17 uh, turn against Trump. But he was worried enough. Apparently, he was worried enough that that could happen. And to solidify report support amongst Republicans, he assassinated Suleimani. Yeah, it's not. It sounds retarded, but you know, but also in character.
0: Yeah, the Iranian president, uh, Abraham Rassi, uh, he said the Zionists uh, will pay the price for their crimes. Quote, these crimes that the Zionist regime have committed, uh, you will pay. You will deeply regret. I mean, it, it, it seems to me that it probably, in all likelihood, was the Israelis. Uh, it seems that they are doing their utmost to provoke Hezbollah uh, into a full-scale war and uh, to bring the United States in. And of course, uh you know the 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 um, the golden goose for the Israelis in all of this is to, to you know to bring the, the United States in to declare war on Iran, which is what they've always wanted. This uh, Greater Israel plan, uh, the Oded Yinan plan for Greater Israel, um, uh, I broke that down on on several shows where it basically was like a prophetic document outlining everything that happened in the Middle East uh, in the early nineties. Um, You know, uh, Syria was on there, Iraq was on there, and of course, the big one is is Iran. Um, And you hear people like Lindsey Graham calling for, you know, we need to wipe Iran off the map. Um, In addition to that, you've had this um, situation where uh, the uh, Hamas chief um, has been killed in Beirut. Um, He's the deputy chief. Uh, of, of Hamas, Salah al-Aruri. Um, he was killed in an IDF strike in Beirut in Lebanon, uh, along with six other, I think, fairly, you know, uh, other Hamas officials. Um, Hezbollah chief has warned Israel of an all-out war uh, over over the killing uh, of the Hamas deputy chief, uh, Salah al-Aruri um so he he's basically come up with very strong language and said that uh um that israel uh, will suffer a war uh with us with without restrictions and limits and rules and he was uh, visibly very animated and uh you know uh, angry when he was given this little uh response to that but um it, i mean that, to me that seems to be the goal to provoke the United States to come in. And you know, fight Hezbollah, destroy Hezbollah, and destroy Iran. That seems to be the ultimate end game in all of this. Because you know, I think, I think the problem is that Israel is bitten off more than it can chew here, and it's ultimately going to end up choking on it. You know?
1: No, I think so. And I do think that this is a uh, a Netanyahu initiative. Uh, it's from the Netanyahu cabinet that they were in on it, but I think it's a. a basically netanyahu initiative uh you know maybe uh, parts of it were were planned or or were aimed at pleasing some of his religious um coalition partners uh the people who are in the opposition i don't think they
4: what would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly, the new Easeoff off model EZ-4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Easeoff off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my Ease Off? Go to easeoff.com. E A Z E O F F.com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Ease off LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419.
5: People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendabite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing. And I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds. And if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: extend your life
6: with Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to dixierepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork.
1: Israel, who are going to be shocked at this, but I think, I think he's got Netanyahu's probably got at, at, or had at least ninety percent of the population behind him. He'll lose, he'll lose support as this goes on. He's going to lose support, but um, you know, he whether people were um, well, like I said, I think this was his initiative. And when you look at Netanyahu personally, uh, what's his personal situation? Well, he's in his, I guess, he's in his early seventies. And he's um, facing all sorts of corruption charges, which as long as he's prime minister, um, he's not going to be punished for. But if he loses office, he may face jail jail time. So he's old. He may face jail time. If he loses office, he probably has a messianic complex. He's he has spent. Excuse me. Off and on since what? Since about 19. uh 98 or 96 i guess 96 is that when he first became prime minister so he's been off and on as prime minister for about 12 out of the past excuse me maybe 12 out of the past 24 years or 26 years and i think he he wants to be not just in the record books in, as as the longest serving Israeli prime minister, but I think he wants to be in uh, Jewish lore for for centuries and millennia to come as as the Messiah who established Israel from the river to the sea or or whatever it is the the greater Israel and and he's uh, so if you've got if you're old. And you're facing prison, and you've got a messiah complex. I think you're the type of person who would risk World War III, risk the destruction of world civilization, in order to achieve your goals. Uh, and and so he's he's launched. Well, so and we have also. You know, I don't like to get too conspiratorial, but I think there's pretty clear evidence that the Israelis. Knew that there was going to be some sort of uh, Hamas attack. That they they had this information for several months. They didn't necessarily know exactly when or how successful it was going to be, but they they knew something of it. And uh, this was something. It seems as if uh, they let it happen. But even even if they didn't let it happen, the the response to it is something that obviously seems to be planned out. And uh, I I think that that Netanyahu is trying to, he wants it to escalate. He wants, he wants a, he's always wanted a strike on Iran. And uh, he's, whether he's going to get a United States to actually uh, fight a war with Iran, I don't know. I, I mean, is that every year we get since 2020 it seems like every year we're getting some sort of major hoax are we going to get some sort of gulf of tonkin incident for iran and then have an american war against iran i don't know it's all insane it's very very risky but like i say the 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 big boys the adults in the room uh xi jinping and and vladimir putin they they seem intent on avoiding world war three and also on not putting up with with Israel and their BS, and I, th- I think the most likely scenario is for World War Three to be averted. There may be a, uh, a regional, um, war in in the Middle East, but the outcome I think is going to be very very bad for Israel. Yeah, I
0: think it will. <clears throat> it could be well a case of uh, be careful what you wish for. But yeah, I think. You know, Netanyahu, I think, you know, he is ostensibly a maniac. So he's capable of anything. And, and he is, uh, you know, looking looking to protect his own skin at this stage. Um, I do also it does concern me as well, even in Ukraine. You know, the writing is on the wall for Ukraine. But, you know, Joe Biden has uh, recently talked about the possibility of, you know, U.S. troops fighting uh, Russian troops. Now, I don't know if that's a veiled threat simply to try and get the Congress to pass this money to Ukraine, or whether this is something realistic. I mean, you do hear talk in Germany, and I saw an article about about the Dutch, talking about how they need to rearm, Uh, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming, and I do wonder if they will, you know, simply walk away from that situation and leave Ukraine Ukraine high and dry, or will they... uh, you know, uh, uh, perpetrate a false flag event, you know, a stray missile into Poland or something uh, to try and, you know, as the final throw of the dice, send NATO in there and have a full-scale war against Russia. I, I believe that Russia would win that war uh, if they did. I, I don't think that Russia is as intimidated by NATO as, as it was previously. Um, but, yeah, I think also in, in in the Middle East, you know, this whole thing, could explode. Uh, but like I said, if if they if they try and go after Iran, I mean, if you think that they've bitten off more they can chew now, I mean, they really are going to be up to their neck. And um, also, you know, the Israelis have been talking about, I don't know where you've heard this, but the Israelis have been talking about this idea of, uh, you know, uh, essentially uh, you know, relocating <laughs> the Palestinian population to the other parts of the world openly. You know, Um, where was it they suggested? In other words, basically, you know, we'll we'll get these, you know, Palestinians to to head. I think it was Congo or something, you know. Um, So you've had this, you know, these ideas of deportation. But again, you think about that. Isn't this the type of thing, this ethnic cleansing, this deportation? Isn't this the type of things that uh, the Jews are constantly saying is is, is in their history and that they're victims of? I mean, it's right there in front of you, the way the, you know, the the, the way the Israelis are talking and, the, the, you know, there's intent for genocide because some of these guys, some of these officials in Israel have got very big mouths. They, you know, they're so full of hubris, they think they can say, say what they want. So the South Africans feel pretty confident that they, they can show intent based on some of the statements made by these officials that there's intent for genocide. But they've been talking seriously about deporting the population of Palestine or just getting them out of there, wherever. I think, I think Congo was one of the places that was mentioned. But could you imagine? If some, and, and they refer to it as a humane solution. Could you imagine if we said, you know what, I think we need to get the Jews out of Europe, out of the West, there are... Wrecking ball, and but we can send them to an island somewhere or some part of Africa, and that's a humane solution.
1: Could you imagine? Well, of course you can't imagine. Um, the it, you've, you've had this these calls coming from. Uh, I, I think the first one was from one of the the cabinet ministers in Netanyahu's government. Uh, was it the minister of uh, cultural affairs or something? And it, the in his cabinet he's got representatives of very radical uh religious zionist parties but you know netanyahu himself the the israelis have been have been um they've been talking about this uh behind the scenes to america to to egypt you know they wanted to relocate everyone to to gaza and you know the egyptians uh president's uh CC is is saying you know this is absolutely not going to happen, and even the Americans are trying to tell him to tone it down. I think Lloyd Austin was 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 telling them to tone it down. But the thing is, when you're talking about this uh, case in the International Court of or the International Court of Justice, uh, where South Africa and uh, Malaysia are going to try to prove criminal intent for genocide. Well, if you've got the prime minister of the country uh, referencing Amalek, a biblical story, everybody knows what the story is, uh, yeah. where where uh, the Jews, the ancient Jews, annihilated, you know, men, women, and children. They annihilated the Amaleks, and this is what uh, Netanyahu's invoking. So if you've got the prime minister of your country talking about Amalek, Amalek bringing up uh, a ancient genocide of one's enemies at a time when you are killing several hundred uh Palestinians a day in Gaza, uh I that is going to be usable, that's going to be, I'm sure that's going to be admissible evidence that this case that South Africa and now Malaysia is joining in are bringing against uh, Netanyahu and his government in in the International Court of Justice.
0: Yeah, of course, and and, uh, this, you know, reveals the hubris of uh, those in uh, power in Israel because they think that they're Uh, above the law, that they are immune from any kind of accountability. But, you know, when does it reach the point, you know, how many more hundreds or thousands of deaths uh, as the whole world looks on at this uh, unequivocal ethnic cleansing, including some of these officials, you know, talking about deportation uh, to other parts of the world. I think Congo was mentioned and the French and and the US have had to come out and Uh, you know, push back on this idea. But at which point does it even for the lobby and even for the politicians, I mean, they're a liability for the country, of course. Uh, No one who knows anything is going to argue that the interests of Israel are the same as the interests of the United States or the European nations, which are bought and paid for them by the lobby. But at which point, if ever... Does it go beyond? Does it does it exhaust its usefulness even for the Joe Bidens of this world and those in Congress? Because it's becoming increasingly embarrassing to try and defend this uh, slaughter.
1: Well, Joe Biden himself, um, I, I can't say he's an interesting character because he's not. But uh, it's it's an interesting situation that he's in. Uh, so. He's he's at the end of a very long political career. He joined the, the Senate 51 years ago. Uh, so he he's been he's got had a very, very long career. Uh, he as of January 4th, 2024, is a candidate for reelection. And there's no other uh, big name candidates running against him in the primaries. Uh, things can things can happen quickly. But mm. if if he is if he's currently a candidate for reelection, it means that, well, it's it's not it's not because of popular demand. It means that's what he wants to do. And yeah. while he has been a self-proclaimed Zionist for decades and decades, saying famously saying you don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist, mm. he, he doesn't have a good relationship with Netanyahu. Yeah. And because uh, he's not a Joe Biden. Especially in his old age, is not a likable character, and uh, apparently, really, uh, world leaders, whether they're uh, you know if they're on non allied countries like the Chinese or the Russians, they won't even take his phone calls. But even mm-hmm. even his so-called allies don't don't like him personally. He's just yeah. a crotchety old man. He's he's but but you know he's we can't completely dismiss him because uh, you know you've got his own. To the extent he's got uh, functioning brain cells left, and he's got some, uh, you know, he's got his his own will, but then there's people around him, uh, like obviously his wife, but uh, other people, people who are in the cabinet, in the administration, are in his administration, but would not be in a uh, Gavin Newsom administration. There's people whose whose careers depend on him being reelected, and so... He you know he and the people close who are connected to him uh they they have to they have to weigh these things and and it's not about national interest uh it's it's about their personal interest they uh and netanyahu and and his project is looming it's it's looming to be it's uh has every potential to become an incredible uh, albatross around their necks. Because, you know, Netanyahu is pursuing the, uh, the, you know, they're they're finding that they have to defend the indefensible. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's Uh, the question. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, Netanyahu is ostensibly
0: a maniac, and, and like we said before, it seems that they're doing everything they can to try and draw the U.S. into a war with Hezbollah and Iran. But like I said, I think they've they've bitten off more than they can chew. They're a mad dog, and I think that mad dog is going to choke on it. Um, one other story I wanted to bring up: um, while Europe it, it seems to be suffering from uh, war fatigue in uh, Ukraine, Germany has put an extra tax on its people. They call it the Ukraine solidarity surcharge. Monica Schnitzer, who is the chief of German. Uh, The chief of German Council of Economic Experts proposed a new tax. A surcharge on top of the income tax would help cover Kiev's financial needs, she said. While admitting it was unpopular, she said, of course, that uh, Germany's uh, security and freedom is dependent on it. Now, this is the same. I think she's Jewish. Uh, I I can't confirm it, but uh, I think Schnitzer uh, has uh, Ashkenazi connections. Um, certainly her behavior and her policies and her desires would lead me to that uh, belief as well. Although, uh, again, I can't confirm it. Um, but already the alloc- uh, Germany has allocated $8.6 billion for Ukraine in 2024. And this is the same Schnitzer who in July 23 last year called for 1.5 million immigrants a year to address the- into Germany to address the shortfall of uh, skilled workers. She said Germany needs 1.5 million immigrants a year. If minus the considerable immigration, we have 400,000 new citizens every year and this uh, and want to maintain the number of workers. We urgently urgently need a culture of welcome. And she heads up the German government's advisory council, which, again, is a very kind of Jewish role, uh, not necessarily in the government, but government advisory role. And she said the New Skilled Workers Act is a step in the right direction, but more is needed. For example, on immigration officers that do not deter immigrants, but offer a service. Uh, We shouldn't demand that foreign skilled workers speak German for every job, but make sure that the employees of the immigration office can speak English, which would lead you to believe that uh, all these extra skilled workers are coming from English-speaking countries, which I imagine is not the case, Patrick. Uh, Comments, please.
1: So... There's been I don't know how long this goes back, but it certainly goes back decades uh, and maybe maybe it goes back a lot more. But there there is this um, this school of thought that looks at countries not as nations, but as economies. And, uh, and, and the word nation really has to be explained a little bit to uh, especially to.
6: That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com.
1: we're used to thinking of nation and country as as being synonymous. Uh n- nation comes from the a latin root something like natal which birth, right? P- you are uh, part of a nation by birth. That's they they come from the same root word, you know. So we've got native comes from that that root word. You've got um oh uh well nativity comes from it. And then what is it What's the uh, part of the hospital where, where babies are born? I can't remember. But the the neonatal the, the, the the ward. Yeah, the, the natal ward. yeah, Right. They all come from the same root word. So the the nation is people, and it's something that gets lost in probably in English and other languages. If you look in Oriental languages, Chinese, you know, it's guo min. Guo, guo is the country, and then min is the people, and that's the nation. Uh, yeah. So it's a lot more obvious in um in other languages, but there's been this tendency to look at uh, at countries as economies. The the people are only there to serve the economy, as opposed to the economy is there for the people. And I think that's that's a, a major problem.
0: Well, I don't think it's any coincidence that the, that the likes of Monica Schnitzer gets into these positions as a chief German Council of Economic Experts, and and then their expert advice. Is uh, as usual from someone of her tribe is to uh, call for you know hundreds of thousands and millions of immigrants to deal with this uh, economic situation into into Germany. Like I said, uh, they don't even have to speak German. But according to this, uh, she seems to think that if the immigration officers can speak English, like I said, uh, first of all, Germany I don't think lacks human capital for skilled workers, and I imagine that the sub-Saharan and North Africans who will be coming uh, will not speak English, uh, most of them, and uh, will certainly not be in a position to to fill the the skilled workers' uh, vacancies.
1: And, you know, Germany has, through most of the uh, post-World War II era, it's had a persistent trade surplus, right? And so even if you're going to say, well, they don't have enough skilled workers, then what do you do? You can offer. You can offshore. You can, you can move some of the operations to other countries. You don't have to import the workers. You can move your operations to other countries. Why, why do you want to um, subsume your, your native population, your nation, with non-nationals, with people from Eritrea and, and Somalia and, and wherever these people are going to come from?
0: Yeah, well, she just epitomizes, um, you know, again, a fifth column along with uh, her other little um, colleague there, Schultz in Germany. who are constantly working against the interests of the uh, of the German people and the European people. I mean, you've got the the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up. Now she's calling for a, Euro- a Ukraine solidarity surcharge on top of the eight point six billion that they're sending Ukraine in twenty twenty four on top of the. Tens and probably hundreds of thousands of immigrants, which are a burden to the to the German German people and the uh, German uh, economy, are.
4: Who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare.
1: Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you.
5: dotcom slash Rbn free shipping on orders over fifty dollars see the banners for hemp paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemp slash Rbn
3: you're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network
0: because you can handle the truth